to get things started, I am joined in studio by the mayor of Kamloops, Mr. Ken Christian. Ken, how are you doing here this morning? Very good, Jeff. Yeah, thanks as always for taking the time to come in after what I thought was a pretty productive council meeting yesterday. But before we get into that, I just wanted to start with today being Pink Shirt Day. You're wearing a pink shirt. A number of councillors were wearing them around the table yesterday. Uh, just, you know, why is this a day that's important to you? Yeah, well, yesterday a number of the councillors uh, felt it was our last council meeting before Pink Shirt Day and was an opportunity to bring awareness to, you know, what we collectively uh, feel is a very valuable cause uh, in the community. And, you know, let's face it, uh, there still is uh, issues related to uh, harassment and bullying, and, and that occurs at home, at school, in the workplace, and uh, we just want to put a stop to it and, uh, you know, call people out that are uh, behaving poorly and let's have a civil dialogue in this community about issues that we might disagree on, but let's uh, not be disagreeable when we do that. Yeah, it's, I think it's an issue that has gotten a lot of attention over the last number of years and, and you know, certainly since my time in high school, I feel like it's uh, less and less of an issue, I want to say, but then again, bullying seems to happen behind the scenes a lot, so it's hard to say. Uh, you, you actually brought this up yesterday at Council when talking about Pink Shirt Day, just that, you know, city staff and, and a number of employees here that work in Kamloops, you know, they, they can be uh, victims of bullying here. Yeah, certainly, you know, uh, we expect uh, of our staff a, a level of deportment and behavior that, uh, you know, would uh, be representative of the city. And in turn, we respect uh, the uh, citizens' right to complain, but they can't uh, take it out on the snowplow driver or on the bylaw enforcement officer uh, or anyone else for that matter. We see people coming in to pay traffic tickets and all of a sudden decide it's their right to wail on the clerk accepting the money. And, you know, that kind of behavior just doesn't belong in today's society. And uh, today's a day for us to uh, remind people of that. And, and collectively, uh, as leaders of the community, council wanted to do that. Right on. Well, uh, definitely an important message, I think, for everyone to pay attention to here on uh, Pink Shirt Day, the last Wednesday of February. Now, uh, the budget was obviously the big thing that happened yesterday at Committee of the Whole. You guys went through all 11 supplemental items. The only item that didn't really pass was the uh, Protective Services Training Facility, which was deferred to a later date, which I thought, uh, you know, made sense. Is this something that's really not looking to be on the books until 2024? Uh, of course, it's always important to look ahead, but just any thoughts on that specifically and, and pretty content with the process? Uh, in terms of those 11 supplemental items as a whole? Yeah, so speaking to the training facility, I think, uh, you know, uh, council was a little reluctant to commit, you know, into the term of the next council, uh, but uh, they did have a caveat that uh, they want uh, Mr. McCorkle, who's uh, in charge of uh, community services, to continue that negotiation and dialogue. And the reason for that is that this uh, actually uh, could be a money maker for the city of Camels. Right now we're spending uh, somewhere uh, under half a million a year to uh, train our police in the recertification required for the uh, myriad of firearms that they're now carrying. And uh, that is also true for uh, different organizations that are armed as well. So uh, you look at the conservation officer service, uh, you look at uh, sheriff services or, or uh, uh, KRCC and, and the requirement for their ongoing training. So uh, that, uh, if you couple that together, uh, would be an opportunity for the City of Cowles to set up a facility here and save our uh, staff from uh, continuously going to Chilliwack, where the nearest training facility is. So we want to look at that certainly for Kamloops and the immediate area. There's other police detachments around us that could benefit by coming here. It's cheaper to stay here than it would be down there, and it's, it's easier to get to. So uh, let's look at that. Let's uh, refine that business case. And uh, when we get
get to a, a point where we can uh, put this uh, in, in a more immediate uh, light in front of council, we'll do that. Yeah, I, I talked to a uh, superintendent from the RCMP here, said Lecky about that project not too long ago. And yeah, I mean, not only would it be a potentially a money maker, but also a money saver and, and something that I think is worth continuing to explore. But given that it wouldn't be built before 2025 at the earliest, it, it does make sense from council's perspective to, to wait. Yeah, one of the things you have to recognize, you know, you, you think about the cost of training, but it's the fact that you're taking members off the watch. And we have four watches in camels, A, B, C, D, and they're staffed to a minimum watch standard. And when you take a few people off the watch and you send them somewhere else, then you're going to increase overtime. You're going to bring people in on days off, that kind of thing. So it affects the, uh, you know, uh, standard of policing in the community by having people absent, be they absent for training or be they absent waiting around in court. So, you know, we have to be conscious of our minimum staffing levels and, and it's important to be able to do as much as we can as close to camelops as we can. Um, one of the things that I know we had spoke when, when the uh, supplemental items were first presented and, and one of the things that you were pretty happy to see in there um, was those two additional arborists uh, that went through and there was some talk yesterday during this process as well just about the importance of arborists in our community as we look to kind of expand the tree canopy in Kamloops. Um, you know, just uh, thoughts on those two positions getting approved and, and sort of what it means for, for our community when talking about, uh, you know, our, our, our green, green life. Yeah, you know, I'm a, I'm a tree guy. I'm a huge fan of the urban canopy. Uh, and, uh, you know, you can't just plant trees. You have to maintain them. Uh, you have to prune them. Uh, you have to be conscious of uh, the uh, forest entomology and, and uh, diseases that can affect your uh, forest. And you have to be also conscious of urban interfaces and the potential for fire threats. So uh, the fact that uh, council recognized that yesterday, I think, is a good thing. And the other important part is that, that as we face this climate crisis, uh, you know, trees are the one uh, source of carbon sequestration. So it's uh, an investment in the environment to plant a tree. And we want to encourage residents to do that through our tree coupon uh, program, but we want to also do that as a corporation. So, you know, when you start to look at uh, the number of acres of trees and the number of trees we have in the city, uh, it's important to have uh, people that are professionals that can maintain them and make sure that those trees are uh, not only healthy but safe. Uh, you know, sometimes trees are damaged and, and that kind of thing, and uh, we have to make sure there's no risks uh, that the city would have to absorb by, uh, you know, falling branches and things like that. Right on. And, and now with, you know, all those... Um that discussion yesterday, all those supplemental items um, brought into into the budget, um, you know, added a little over 0.2% uh, to the total tax levy increase, um, you know, looking at about 3%, maybe a little bit of a hair under that. I think the numbers I'm hearing now are about 2.97%. Uh, are you content with that? Yeah, you know, uh, I am. And, and uh, you know, Jeff, you and I have spoken throughout the whole process. It's kind of an iterative process. It, it goes back and forth a bit, depending on a number of factors. Uh, we're pretty close now uh, with the decisions Council made yesterday, but there still is, uh, you know, the 2019 books to close. Uh, yesterday, they gave us a number of around $700,000 underspent in the city, and, uh, you know, that's uh, give or take a few invoices either way. Remember, mm -hmm. we just uh, closed the books on December the 31st, so, 
you know, they have a few months to kind of fix that up. And then we have a, a number in there of 1.25% uh, for growth, and, and that's going to depend on what the uh, BC Assessment Authority sends us later in the month in terms of their work last year in assessing new builds in Kamloops and what that uh, number actually looks like. And it can it could vary, you know, by, a, you know, a, a hundredth of a, a percentage point somewhere, and, and that could affect the number again. But, uh, you know, I think we're very, very close. And, and and why do I like that number? I think that it's a good balance. I think that we have some uh, new initiatives underway. We have uh, maintained the core services that people expect us to provide. And we're competitive. Uh, you know, when you look at uh, neighboring communities, uh, uh, some uh, double uh, that in terms of a tax increase. And uh, we uh, like to uh, think of Camelops as uh, an affordable city. And uh, I think, uh, you know, there certainly is inflation pressures. But by and large, I think we're managing them better here than uh, some other locations for a whole set of circumstances. And, and you just brought up there as well the, the growth numbers. One and a quarter percent is projected for Kamloops here in uh, 2020. And, uh, you know, just from the response you just gave here, it sounds like you're, you're pretty confident that those numbers will be fairly accurate. I mean, that's something that the city puts forward on an annual basis. And the growth numbers, I think, are generally pretty accurate. But, um, you know, there's always a few factors that could change that. But, you know, you don't sound too worried about those projections. You know, uh, our staff are getting better and better in terms of the, the projections. But, you know, we have a handle on how many building uh, permits that we issued. We have a handle on what the estimated value of those permits were. Uh, so this is more of an echo report when BC Assessment actually goes out to those new homes and looks at them and, and see if they actually were what they said they were going to do. Uh, there's some give and take, particularly in commercial properties, because uh, some of those are, are more difficult to assess. And then there's some delays in terms of the building permits that be, uh, we issued may not have been acted upon. So there's a, a bit of room uh, in there, but by and large, we're pretty darn accurate in terms of those kinds of estimations. And uh, I always uh, prod the chief financial officer, Kathy Humphrey, to see if we can get that number higher. And she cautions me, uh, you know, I think we're around uh, one and a quarter. And uh, that seems to be pretty much spot on every year. That's probably a number two to, to be under projecting on rather than uh, overshooting just, uh, you know, for safety purposes. Um, there was a public uh, budget meeting last week, you know, a chance for uh, the general population to, to come out to Sandman Center on Thursday night and, and, you know, provide council with some feedback. I am presuming you were at that meeting and happy with, uh, with the turnout? Yeah, I was, uh, and uh, I was uh, happy with the turnout and, and the quality of uh, the feedback that we received from the individuals that were there. Uh, you know, a number of, of different things uh, people were kind of campaigning on. Uh, uh, again, the pickleball group were out there. They've been a pretty consistent lobbyists. Uh, a lot of talk about transit, a lot of talk about climate change and initiatives that uh, we could be taking in terms of that. Uh, a, a contingent of uh, seniors concerned about the fact that, uh, you know, the uh, increase in taxation and the increase in their property value is going up much faster than any increase in their fixed income or their pension. And that's a reality. Uh, you know, there, there are a segment of the population that are kind of aging out of being able to afford the homes they live in because they are going up in value. So, uh, you know, those kinds of concerns were there and, and uh, a good chance to talk uh, to residents uh, about a host of issues. Awesome. And just, uh, you know, that pretty much wraps up the conversation I had here on the budget itself. I just, what is next? Do you know when, uh, you know, ratification is, is planned for at this time? 
you know, we're going to work through this. Uh, we have a, a date uh, requirement in the community charter to have something uh, uh, in stone in April. So uh, we're going to be working through March to uh, get the final uh, budget bylaw through council chambers. And then we'll uh, get on with uh, looking at the 2021 budget. And as uh, Ms. Humphrey pointed out yesterday, this is a, a cyclic process. Uh, you know, people shouldn't feel that a deadline today is meaning that ever and ever they'll never get their ask address addressed uh, I think people have to look at these things and uh, talk about what it is in terms of an amenity that they're interested in look to gain some support for that uh, within the community that's going to use it and then look at creative ways in which they can help fund it and gain support for that on the broader community uh, scale and uh, people do that and uh, eventually we get to uh, get to yes Right on, and those uh, tax rates will be uh, set come April, so council will be uh, doing that sometime in the next month and a half or so. But we'll get into uh, regular council. Um, Ken, you did present a mayor's report, a couple of different items that were on there, including the uh, Southern Interior Local Government Association uh, asking Interior Health Authority to reevaluate the current outpatient model of mental health care. Uh, what exactly does that mean? Yeah, you know, uh, it, it's been my observation that uh, there is a, a, a subset of our homeless population uh, that is really uh, suffering from chron chronic mental illness, uh, things like bipolar disorder and, and uh, uh, acute schizophrenia. And uh, there's even a subset of that group now that have been, uh, you know, suffering brain damage from repeated uh, naloxone uh, recoveries. Oh, really? And so, uh, you know, there's some people that are really not able to manage their own journey on the streets of Kamloops. And uh, I've been speaking with the mayor of Nanaimo, Leonard Krogh, and, and the mayor of Prince George, Lynn Hall, and, and there's the same thing in Nanaimo, same thing in Prince George. So uh, one of the things that we are doing is asking our local government associations to, uh, you know, talk about this problem and, and is there some other model in terms of uh, the ability of the community to respond to uh, those individuals that uh, might need a more residential setting uh, to uh, manage their illness. And, and it's as simple as that. And, and uh, you know, uh, to uh, have them bounce between uh, lockup in the RCM police cells or uh, One South or the uh, emergency department at the hospital uh, really is not uh, the best solution. And some of these people are are uh, not uh, just hard to house, they're, they're almost impossible to house. Right. They, they don't want to be in that confined environment uh, because of uh, their condition. And and so, you know, they suffer. And, and when we had that uh, 25 below spell there a few weeks back, you saw them uh, suffer. And uh, uh, that is a concern to me and a concern to the rest of council. And so uh, the resolution was endorsed yesterday. We'll take that to uh, the Southern Interior Local Government Association and if there's some concurrence there, then we'll have a discussion with the Interior Health Authority about, uh, you know, using a, an outpatient model for uh, individuals that really uh, their med regime and things like that is uh, uh, difficult for them to manage, uh, you know, without that kind of ongoing support. The wraparound services that are provided, uh, you know, are good, but they're kind of spotty uh, when people get into a time of crisis. And, and that's uh, what's happening more and more. 
Yeah, and the opioid crisis continues. That's something that uh, you know a lot of um, a lot of people have concerns about. Not here in Kamloops, not just here in BC, not just in Canada, but really uh, almost globally at this point. Um, another thing that was in your mayor's report as well was the as well was the keep prisoner model, um, provincial police and intermittent prisoners. Uh, what are you talking about there? Yeah, you know, this is a craw in my bonnet. Uh, this is an agreement that was really imposed upon municipalities in 2002. And, and what it says is that there's a pot of money that the Solicitor General has, and he divides that uh, amongst municipalities based upon the amount of prisoners that they've housed over the course of the year. Now, I get it that uh, Kamloops as a city has an obligation to house the prisoners that are from Kamloops. Uh, you know, people that commit crime in Kamloops, that's where they're going to go. Uh, but what's happening uh, more and more is that we not only have those municipal prisoners, but we have uh, what uh, I call provincial prisoners. So these would be prisoners that are apprehended in Chase or in, in Barrier in Ashcroft and are brought to Kamloops. Uh, they're also prisoners that are remanded from the court system, and they're also uh, people who have been sentenced by the court system to serve intermittent sentences, and they wind up in the Kamloops uh, lockup uh, to do that. Uh, and so those are the provincial prisoners, and now uh, there's even federal prisoners when uh, there are, uh, you know, roundups related to immigration and, and uh, that kind of thing, and, and they wind up in our cells. So uh, at the end of the year, we wind up getting between 9 and $10 an hour to house those prisoners, and it costs us close to $20 an hour to have them. So uh, in 2019, I had staff uh, look into it uh, in more detail, and I think the number was uh, around 120 twenty thousand uh, dollars that we spent more than we received I don't think that's a fair deal for the Kamloops taxpayer and I want to have the government look at that and uh, so the resolution yesterday which council endorsed is to bring that up in the uh, Silga meetings coming up in Vernon because it's my understanding in talking with uh, the mayor of Vernon, uh, the mayor of Kelowna, the mayor of West Kelowna, the mayor of Penticton, those size cities, that they're experiencing exactly the same thing. If you're the biggest show in the region, you're going to handle everybody's prisoners. And, you know, that's all well and good, except for the fact that larger cities like Penticton, Kelowna Counts, pay for their own policing and smaller places don't. So uh, all I'm looking for here is fairness. Uh, we recognize we have an obligation to society to how prisoners and and prisoners need to be housed in better conditions quite frankly than we are doing it here uh, our uh, cells are designed for short-term lockup uh, they're not designed for kind of long-term uh, stays and uh, you know when you get people that are remanded 30 days to uh, spend weekends in in Kamloops jails it's just not a good scene well Ken unfortunately we're out of time but uh, thanks so much for coming in and doing a double shot lots to go over and I know you're a busy man so I'll let you get back to it Thanks, Jeff. Awesome. That was Kamloops Mayor Ken Christian.